Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained 
There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Hebrews, the first chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. May we all bow in a moment of prayer. And let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who's brought us together again. And we have great gratitude in our hearts for the fact that Yahweh has seen fit to take us out of the world, sit us down, and, and has taught us something about himself for definite and for sure that we can rely on, that we can check out, and we can know for ourselves, where we don't have to be dependent on another man or woman for our salvation, but we can put all of our trust and our confidence and our faith in that Holy Spirit that he has poured out and given as a free gift unto his sons and daughters. And we just ask you, Yahweh, to continue to teach us what you want us to know and give us the strength that it takes to stand and to be convicted in this gospel and to live it and to preach it to anyone else that you have called out of the world. And just thank you, Yahweh, for everything that you've done for us. We can never thank you enough. All we can do is preach what you've given unto us and preach it right and be an example. Thank you, Yahweh, through Yahshua. Let us all be very thankful for where we stand in Yahweh's purpose. And with this, we'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, class. Tonight's scripture will be Hebrews, the first chapter, which I'll be reading from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. Hebrews, the first chapter. Elohim, who at sundry times and in various manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he hath ordained the ages, who being the brightness of his glory and the exact impress of his substance and upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they for unto which of the angels said he at any time Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. 
And again, when he bringeth the first begotten unto the world, he saith, and let all the angels of El worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O Elohim, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, Elohim, even thy Elohim, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Yahweh, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old at the garment, and as a vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years have no end. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse, New York class. Speakers, please be advised there'll be a five-minute sign appearing on your screen. Please acknowledge when you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Vercel Mack from our Oakland, California class. Well, good evening and good afternoon to the brethren. You know, it's so funny when you actually know that you're about to be called I guess it's just the Holy Spirit in you, like, I knew it. So <laughs> I'm actually so happy to be here. I'm not going to talk too long. I have some dental work done um, um, yesterday and or the day before, but my mouth is really sore. But I'm so grateful to actually be here and to be able to have anything um, to say about um, this wonderful teaching um, the vision, divine vision and divine revelation that was given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the year of 1931. And the vision that he had, like we don't worship the man, but the Holy Spirit actually just took over that vessel. And um, Yahshua is just showing me more and more how he's never left it to any man. Yahweh, I should say, has left his purpose to no man. He actually came down in his creation and did it himself. He did everything himself. Dr. Kinley, he actually came and confirmed the vision that um, Moses had and also the vision that John had. And we, without this um, divine vision, at the end of the age, first of all, we, we didn't know anything. I'm going to say me because I didn't know anything about in the end of the age, about a dispensation, what a, um, a divine order of affairs um, is. I didn't have any knowledge of anything. Um, um, this is actually a, a wonderful thing to actually have, have been pulled from the fire out of um, ignorance and darkness, which is depicted on this chart here, you know, um, the outer court. Um, this is um, 
the tabernacle is so important. And I'm going to try to slow down um, because I get excited and I want to actually express whatever it is that he's going to have me express. But to first of all, know that it's very important that you actually have to have a divine vision um, um, and revelation. Where is it? Is it in um, Proverbs? Is it 29? Without a divine vision, the people perish. Is that um, Proverbs 29 and? Um, 18. Yes. Okay. Oh, thank you. Go ahead. Oh, Proverbs 29 and 18. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sharon. Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Great. So thank you. So it's a divine vision, you know, that you actually have to have. And I do understand that in um, Numbers 12 and 6, because see, where I come from, they um, the preachers told us that they were called and that they had the messages for us and that they were the messengers for God. I didn't even understand about all the different. I heard the word Gentile, um, but I didn't know why I was one, you know, um, you just different things that you hear. And again, it's tradition, whatever household you came up in. Those are the things that you actually um, believed about religion and things like that. Never knew. Um, and, and why would you not think any other way if you've been taught that? You know, we believed that the preachers. I know that my grandmother, she believed um, um, that it's always a man of God, you know, that actually is the interpreter, you know, between you and the father. And that's not true. We come in here and find out that the intercessor is the Holy Spirit. That's that's Joshua the Messiah. That's the intercessor. He's the high priest. He's the one that's, um, um, I want to say speaking to, yeah, he actually is. He's the intercessor for us in that um, holy place. But I get way off. I want to go to um, Numbers 12 and 6 because I just want to just hone in on the fact that you have to have a divine vision. And so, yeah, Numbers 12 and 6. Moses and, he, and Aaron, go ahead. I'm sorry. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. So this is how Yahweh is saying himself. This is how he contacts a man. He's not called and it's not any... Um, to the mountains and where you're going to have tablets and, you know, um, and a lot of people have said that they had visions or they had dreams and, you know, and went to the mountaintops and all of these different things, but it's not according to the purpose of Yahweh. He, this is all about him telling you his story. So first of all, that's how he contacts a man. And that's actually how we got here because again, he just stepped in a vessel of Henry Clifford Kenley and just um, taught us his purpose. And I just lately have been, gosh, it's just, nobody wants to hear the truth anymore. Like we do, you know what I'm saying? And just understanding how wonderful it is and how important it is to just want to know the truth, whether you agree with it or not, the truth really shall make you free and you can just look around you, you know, and it's all purpose, you know, because um, the spirit of the 
world has blinded the um, the minds of the people. All of these things are purpose, but it's just it's just something to see though. You know where they don't want to hear the truth, and they are fine with the um, delusion. You know um, um, because. Every, you can look around and see that it's really, really delusional. Whether we were in this class or not, everyone can look and see that there's definitely something wrong. And just the patience that he actually has had with us, because I think about my long suffering and, you know, and he has taught us we get to the point where we don't really, we appreciate the suffering now. We do. Because Yahweh came down here and died the death of an outcast dog to actually um, um, to save us, to save our souls, you know, to give us eternal life, you know, and not to want to hear the truth. It is just um, and Satan has done his job well, you know, can't even be mad at him because he's doing exactly what Yahweh has purpose for him to do, you know, which is to take you away from your creator in the first place and the world. And, you know, we have family that we love and different things like that. And you can preach, you know what I'm saying? You can say what you're going to say, whether they hear or whether they forbear. Everyone wants to hear the lie. Everyone is um, just looking at the outward appearance. And we don't have to show it, but when I think about the outward appearance, I think about that chart where it talks about outward adorning and it shows the Pope there. You know, as a matter of fact, yeah, let's get that chart. Um, um, the elementary chart. Now, I should have brought up how important this tabernacle is because um, Yahweh, in the moderation, it states that Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and he's inscrutable. So he takes on shape he takes on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. And this is a figure of a man, but without flesh and blood. And when that we call him the word or the son, you know, and the word um, where I come from, the Bible was the word. No, the Bible had the words in it, you know, his scriptures and his um, everything, his commandments, things like that. But the word is when he took on shape and form and he actually just spoke this creation in. Now that's who the prophets saw. So when you see that Jeremiah saying, and the word came to me and Isaiah came, you know, Isaiah saying that the word came to me, all of them that stated that the word came to them, they're having a vision and they're talking about Yahweh Elohim. That's who they saw. And then later on, he's going to manifest in an earth plane, you know, and um, as Joshua, the Messiah, and we always say that who the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ, we come in here and learn that it's the unity of the spirit, you know, but when he was, when he took on shape and form, he also transfigured into that threefold tabernacle pattern. And he showed Moses, Moses got to see this. And when that tabernacle was actually built, um, that was Yahweh getting in the vessel because they was giving Moses problems even then about building it. But Yahweh came and built, he put his spirit in those to actually put, um, um, to erect that tabernacle correctly because he said you have to stay to the pattern. It's in Exodus 25 somewhere and I'm not going to get it, but it's just how important that tabernacle is because it's an explanation 
of Yahweh Elohim himself. And nothing escapes the pattern. You're going to see that it's going to always be threefold. And it's seven steps in this tabernacle, but it's threefold because that's representing the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You know, and these three are one. You have your head region, your chest region, your abdominal region, and these three are one. You have, you know, your arm. It's just, you know, he's going to keep showing you what these three are one. One arm, you have your hand, the upper arm, and, you know, this lower part here is three or one. Even if you bend your finger, this one finger, you see, and it's three. So he's going to show you all these different manifestations. And in Romans 1 and 19 and 20, he's going to tell you to take the physical things, you know, to show um, to show you spiritual things. They're examples. They're examples. And so, and on all of these charts, and I just wanted to say that because the, um, their trek from Egypt to um, Canaan's land was still according to this tabernacle. They went from Egypt, they were delivered. Um, Yahweh took them out by a mighty hand and they left with substance too. But he took them to and through the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness, Yahweh, where Moses received his vision and you know, many things happened in that wilderness, but then they went to and through um, the River Jordan as well. That had to part for them to get to the holy place. So I was uh, most holy place. So I just want to bring that out because the tabernacle is really, really important. So as far as back to, you know, the world and they are, you know, everything that's important, your status here or what you don't have. Everybody judges you by what you have and um, what your status is. And that's important to people. Their names and their titles are so important. You know, we come in here and find out that Lord and God are not names. They're titles. Titles don't mean anything. You need to respect Yahweh and call him by his name. He gave us his name in Exodus, the third chapter, I believe. And he said this is a memorial to all generations. And this is my name now forever. Can't later on come on down and just change it because you see fit. But if you don't have, um, if, you know, if you still just have a carnal mind, and I'm not talking down on anyone who does because we all came from darkness, you know, but, you know, just and just look it up. There's certain things that you can look up and he's made a way for you to prove all things. But the outward adorning here on this, um, I think this is this is the apostasy chart and the outward adorning. It just reminds me of what's going on now. Now, the carnal ordinances that have been restored, you know, Yahweh is going to tell us about spiritual things. And of course, Satan has to do the exact opposite. And you see where it's stated in Babylon. That's where the earth resides, um, um, according to the tabernacle pattern. If you notice that, um, and I should have done this over here, but and I'm sorry, but, you know, the court roundabout, the earth resides in the court roundabout. And see, the most holy place and the holy place were covered at one time, you know, and that was really the sanctuary. This court went round about that sanctuary. So everything that was happening on the earth, or in that um, that where they were doing the sin sacrifice alterings, and you know that had to be um, very smelly and just you know their blood, all all of these different things, and we all know that blood does not smell good. But everything that's in this court roundabout is just going to be um, what it's going to be. 
in that part was actually taken off, um, 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 if you will. It's not part of the sanctuary is what I'm trying to say. But this outward adorning, what's going on, um, how people are treating each other. Everyone has just went, went mad. Everyone, nothing makes sense anymore. And again, they want to um, believe the lie. Everybody is being attacked. You can't speak on anything because if you say something, this person is offended or this person is offended or whatever. And with these carnal ordinances being restored, you know, um, T.D. Jakes, all of these people are um, just making um, a mockery of what they think they, they think that they're doing. But making a mockery of the father. I wake up in the middle of the night, the TV is still on and they're telling me about prosperity preaching and what God said and, you know, send your money. There are people that are sending in money, you know what I'm saying, money that they had. I've heard them say, it might be for a surgery, but if you have to sow a seed. So, I mean, they are wicked. It is, um, you know, you want to say, how do they sleep at night? But they sleep well, stealing from the people and just giving them this false, um, they don't know the truth. Is what I'm saying. If you don't know the truth, you you you'll never um, be free. Your soul will not be saved. You it, it, it's. I don't want to say it like that because we don't wish this on anyone. Because you see, this next plate over is talking about how the lake of fire and the earth and the waters are all. This is what's happening right now. This is what's happening. So out of all of this carnal stuff. They don't want to hear the truth, you know, and he's blinded them from the world. But you see right in the middle in a holy place. Here's Joshua, the way, the truth and the life, you know, and you see everything on the side. You know what I'm saying? With the false prophets, the ones I'm talking about, the ones who don't believe in anything, the ones who are narcissists and just believe in themselves, deceivers. And, you know, um, the false sciences, the, all of the um, Satan's ministers. I'm like, he has everything just drawn out. And this is the truth because, you know, salvation and judgment begins in the house of Israel, you know, and I know so much that I left out, but I'm just going to give give what's on my heart and mind and I'm going to take my seat. But it's just, you know, it started right here. Everything that's going on in the world is going on right within this organization, you know, I, where people are giving honor to glory and honor to one another. Um, can we have, um, no, no, I'm not going to do that because I really want to talk about Yahshua the Messiah because what he did for us, you know, and it was his purpose. If he is responsible, you know, he came. When you just think about that, that he actually came down and let his own creatures kill him to actually save their souls, you know, because we know that we've been called and chosen. But honestly, Yahshua died for the entire world. Now he knew. We were called and we were chosen. He knew who was going to do what. Because this gets off into something totally different. But he did die for the world. So I'm just going to keep it simple. You know, um, and he, he, he died for everyone. And that was, is still a huge thing. So I want to go to 
Um, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. 53 and 1. Isaiah 53 and 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? So who has believed this report? You know, and we're talking about truth. And he states whether they hear or whether they forbear. We're not just preaching just to say we know something that somebody else doesn't know. We're so grateful to be sitting here knowing whatever, however much we know or however little we know to be able to give some kind of testimony of what he has done for us. So who have believed our report and to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? And when I hear that, that reminds me of Isaiah 28, 9 and 10. So I'm going to come back here, but can we just go to Isaiah 28, 9 and 10? Isaiah 28 and 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Those who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. All right, thank you. So that's who. Is, is, is the arms um, uh, who is the, the arm of Yahweh revealed to babes? You know, he taught us from babes. You know, whom shall he teach knowledge? You know, and, and understand doctrine. Doctrine is so important because this doesn't have an S on it. Doctrine, this is his story, this is history, this is his doctrine. See, the, the issue with coming from the Catholic Church, that's a different doctrine. Baptist Church, different doctrine. Muslims, different doctrine, whatever the case may be. But it's only Yahweh, you know, and besides him, there is nothing else. So it's just when we come here and he's teaching us from um, uh, a little bit, the precepts upon precepts, we have the precept of blood. We have a precept of water. We have a precept of spirit. We have a precept of 40. You know, and it's going to be so many different manifestations. Yes, here we are. Blood, water, spirit, 40. And he's just repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. So, again, no matter how much little you know or how um, much more you know, he's given us a foundation. And, you know, as a babe, you know, you get to grow on and get to be in a toddler and you learn how to walk. You're stumbling in different things. But he has raised us from that to um, be an able-bodied ministers, you know. And I still, um, I don't, you know, Dr. Vercel Mack, I, titles, don't, you know, because I don't, I still don't feel like I am um, um, a doctor of anything. You know what I'm saying? But Oh, but, you know, he teach me, like, you know some things the world does not know, you know. So this is not for uh, prestige or anything like that, because this none of this is of our own volition. I'm just actually just happy to be here and have some, some kind of um, he's given us a foundation to where I will never, ever again be dragged to or fro. You know, if someone and you can't tell us anything. 
anything anymore. You know, we may not know everything, but we know what is not true. And in any other religion, this may sound, it can sound whichever, uh, however it does sound, um, this is the only truth. That's it and that's all. Because Dr. Kinley told us to prove it, make, don't believe it. See, who have believed our report? See, we're not believing in vain. This is not blind belief. We have been satisfied. Yahshua himself has proven to us, you know, why these things are true, you know, by these principles, um, um, the blood, water, spirit, 40, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, you know, everything, all the dots connect, you know, going according to this tabernacle. So we have been, it's been proven to us until we're satisfied. That's the only reason. That's why we're here. You know, we've been chosen to be here. We've been chosen to actually be able to understand some things and see and and, and to actually, um, man, we're just no longer to and fro. And that may not seem like big a big thing to anyone, um, to other people. You know, some people don't care about the creator or whatever because they're so disgusted with the world. They don't believe in anything. So it is a good thing for us to be on solid ground. I may not be able to express things perfectly, you see, but again, I do have a foundation and it's steadfast. Nothing can move me from this gospel, nothing at all, even death. I would not, and I'm gonna tell you something. I've been looking at some different things on TV and, and I'm gonna tell you something. If you ever hear me saying anything different, and I mean E-V-E-R or E-V-A, if you ever hear me saying anything different, y'all come check on me because it's not me. Maybe they've cloned me or something like that because this is the only righteousness that there is. I am satisfied knowing that Yahshua the Messiah is my savior, you know, and how he is um, our husband, how he, it, it's just so much, it's so much. So I just want to go back really quickly and before I take my seat. But what he did for us, you know, um, we appreciate it so much. So I'm going to go back to 53 and I want to go to um, 53 and three. Three. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Yeah, not until we truly knew who he really was or is. And he was despised and rejected of men. So he's talking about that John, you know, um, um, fifth chapter, around 43. And we don't have to get it. And I come in my father's name and you receive me not. Let another come in his own name. Him you will receive. Um, um, but read for please? Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of L and afflicted. Okay, can we have the, um, the um, old covenant, new covenant chart where Yahshua on the cross? This is um, what he did you know, and I was recently in a class and they were talking about, they didn't, you couldn't even really recognize Joshua. They had beat him so bad. 
And now, now we don't, we're not sitting here in a death, but these things had to take place. Something innocent actually had to die. You see, um, and not just something, um, but specifically, he set it up to where he was going to come down here and die for us. You talk about long suffering and everything that he um, he took stripes for us. He took stripes for us, and re uh, five. But he but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So thank you. So, I mean, everything that you could go through, everything that we currently go through, you know, he's humbling me to understand because he, he had borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. When we are in pain, when something is hurting us, not just physically so, emotionally, mentally, just, gosh, it just don't stop. It just doesn't stop. He's there. He is there. And he was wounded for our transgressions. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. These things, I wasn't even born yet. He did all of these things. You know, even though we came in here dead on arrival, it was already done. He did all of these things. All of my, I can look back and loathe myself, some of the iniquities and diff different things that I've done and just, you know, and it says, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement, for even us, for us to have, he is our peace. He came and he did it. And you know, just to allow us to understand what the story was, the promise that was given to Abraham, that through his seed, all people or all families would be blessed to keep us going, to understand what happened with the um, 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 Marian Israel on that mount, um, allowing us to understand that we're saved by grace because we were never under the law. You know, all of these carnal, the the um, the circumcisions, the everything that they had to do, because we say it in here often that it was not just um, Ten Commandments. We call it the Big Ten because that's what the world talks about the majority of the time. But in Leviticus, it was over 600 and different 600 different laws and ordinances and statutes that they had to keep. And it was impossible for them to keep it. It was always purposed that way. It was always purposed for him to come in and fulfill, fulfilling to nail it to the cross. You, you know, all of the things that they could not do because again, it was purposed for them not to be able to do it. He was always meant to be salvation. He was always meant to be the sacrifice and he nailed it on the cross and moved those things out of the way, ushered in a new age. Now we're in spirit, you know, John 4 and um, 23, Yahweh is spirit, you know, and those that worship him should worship him in spirit and truth. You come in here and he'll teach you what spirit and truth is. Now, see, now on the right side, the New Testament is written in our heart and mind, you know, and that's in Jeremiah 31. I'm going to get that Jeremiah 31 and 31 and then I'm going to be down. But it's just so beautiful to see what he did. Like, this is really personal. 
it, it's, it's like we're saved as a body and that's beautiful. That's why the love for the brethren is so real because it's a unity of the spirit that we're all together. But this thing is so personal. This thing is so intimate, you know, that it's just when someone just reaches out their hand to you and pulls you up and say, I love you, you know, and that's what he has done. Now we're in a spiritual kingdom age. So all of the physical things, we don't have to do the sign of the cross. We don't have to get on our knees. I remember that in Catholic church, we have to get down and get up and sign the cross and sprinkle the water, anything that is physical, that is outward, those things. And they don't even do it the right way, but those things were never given to us. The Gentiles, which we are, and that's in Ephesians somewhere. I acknowledge the five brethren. Thank you. And in Ephesians somewhere, you know, where, um, where he's talking about the adoption, where the Gentiles were adopted in. You see, just like that promise that was given to Abraham, we were always included. And, and we didn't have to be under the law. You know, we were never given that in the first place. So now he's going to write his law in our inward parts. So I want to get Jeremiah 31, 31, and I'll be down. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. Okay, so that was an example. That's an example back there. And he's given, that's why these principles are so important because he's talking about a story, but you know, he's talking about making a new covenant because that one was the physical carnal covenant that was made with the physical um, people of Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people. Okay, read. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. After those days, those days of the death, burial and resurrection and ascension of Yahshua the Messiah. After those days, when he has fulfilled all of the physical carnal things and have ushered out the spiritual things, you know, and it's now now he's written it is somewhere else where it's not written in pen and ink. Hmm. Is And you don't have to get it, but it, it's just, man, he has written these things in our hearts and in our mind. We have those, all of these charts that we have collectively, those are, that is, um, they're not just charts. It was a divine vision that Yahshua came down here and, and stepped into that vessel and actually showed us. But now these things are actually in our hearts, in our mind. And we talk about it all the time that these things that we're seeing, they're going to have to be within you. You know, no matter how much you know about this gospel or the doctrine, or I'm going to keep saying how little you know. Don't worry about that because we're going to be learning in ages to come. Yahweh is looking at the intent. He is the true discerner of the heart and the mind. So it keeps us humble. The things that we go through keeps us humble. Even humility keeps you humble and it makes you grateful. So no one can ever boast about anything. But you just he's looking at our intent. We're going to be learning forever. We can never exhaust them. But it's going to be your intent to see which spirit are we. Are you the spirit of righteousness? And, you know, the righteous was scarcely saved. 
So it's not about that either. Truly in your heart, you know, are we of that righteous spirit or are we not? So I'm just grateful. Was there anything else there, Linda? Is that it? Yeah, it, it, that's pretty much done. Okay. All right. Well, um, I just wanted to say that I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have any kind of testimony about um, our heavenly creator and how beautiful he is. And I thank him for his mercy. And I thank him for his long suffering, even though it was purpose, but for his long suffering of us. We don't talk about feelings, but his feelings can get hurt too. So, um, yeah. Well, actually, so. let me read 34 just because that's good too. And they okay. shall... And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know Yahweh, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Hallelujah, because that is um, the intercessor. They will all know me. You know, Yahshua has done a work and they will, and we do all know him, whatever level is at, we all do know him. His sheep has heard his voice, and we will never be pulled astray. So, and just keep the love going, keep, keep each other's arms lifted up, and all praises, all glory, and all honor belongs to Yahweh, our Elohim, through Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Matt. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Reba Zahar from our Gates, New York class. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Um, is the volume okay? Yes. Hi, Sharon. Hi. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, today was a really full day. I've been trying to uh, keep up with the uh, lectures that the uh, Orlando Symposium Unity and Yai has been broadcasting mm -hmm. on the YouTube channel and um I'll tell you, there were a couple of lectures in there that were just really spot on and uh, and beautiful at that. And, um, you know, we've, we've just been so blessed is, uh, is in a very inadequate term um, to describe what it is that we are participating in down here. When you really arrive to the occasion that you are invited a personal invitation um and no rsvp <laughs> you know you you were personally invited to come down um to have an ear to hear part of this the only doctrine that there is we truly have come to all that there is to come to there is nothing beyond this this vision, this prophetic vision and revelation or the understanding of what it is that you're looking at um, comes straight from the creator himself. And it's just my testimony as it is um, a lot of other people's testimony that um, I, I didn't know that Lord was a title. Uh, I didn't know that God was a title. I did not know that the letter J 
was never in Hebrew. We see this icon or this picture right now of a man hanging on a cross. And you can see on the top of that cross, there's an inscription, I-N-R-I. And there's a verse right in your Bible that they posted that up there to mock the Messiah. It said, uh, Yahshua, King of the Jews. I believe that's what the inscription stands for. I could be wrong on that because my memory slips daily. But you don't see any, you don't see any J up there for Jew. You don't see any J up there for Jesus. Because there's never been a letter J in the Hebrew language, the Latin language, or the Greek language to this day. And the J is a late continental addition to our English alphabet, which is uh, nearly four to 600 years old. So one really has to ask themselves, well, what was the name of the Messiah that he had when he walked around, around the um, Palestinian hills? And, you know, there's just so many things that we can talk about, but th these names are um, absolutely um, essential if you're going to come into any kind of an understanding um, about what it is that you are trying to find out about your creator. Let's go and get um, John 1 and 18 and let's read exodus 24 9 and 10 i believe if you would please john 1 and 18 yes no man king james okay. no man go ahead sharon no man has seen god at any time the only begotten son which is bosom of the father, he had declared him. Now, you're reading over in what the world calls uh, the epistle of St. John, which is a lie. Mm -hmm. um, there is, saint is something that was invented by Roman Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not, um, uh, Yahweh most certainly didn't endorse it. Um, the highest title that you could possibly ever have would to be called would be referred to as a son of Yahweh or a son of the most high El Yahweh Elohim. Now you're all the way over in China. We can go all the way back over to the Old Testament. When um, you know, you say that uh, a name's not important. You know, my my um real name is Rebecca. I was given that name at birth. My nickname is Reba. Um, I will always be a Rebecca. My driver's license has been in the name of Reba for years, but when I relocated to the state of New York, they were befuddled of why my proper name was not on that license and made me put Rebecca back on my driver's license. So even your government, <laughs> to some extent, uh, is has a strong hand on trying to enforce the original 
and truth of a particular situation when especially when it comes down to a name my name was rebecca given to me at birth i grew up with that name i am now old with that name and i will die with that name and if i were to have a plot in a cemetery somewhere um the tradition would have it to be that my name would be engraved on that stone as a as a memorial or something for those that would pass by and would read that name and would remember that name and that I once was alive and I had a life and <clears throat> I'm sorry I'm having trouble with my throat um <clears throat> and that you know I had a life and that perhaps I um, had something to um, give to society or mankind, as, as my father would have said, left my mark on the land. But now if you were to go all the way over to the Old Testament in Exodus 24, uh, could you read that verse nine, please? Um, starting at nine? Yes, please. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. Now, this is um, many um, years after the fact, um, right here on this chart that we refer to as at the Moses chart, that you'll see um, in the midsection of this chart, there's a green portion. Uh, next to the brown part, which is depicting a mountain. And Moses is standing there with a rod in his hand, and he's receiving a vision from Yahweh himself. And you can go in and read the third chapter of Exodus to um, find out that Moses did indeed receive a vision there. And he was... Um, uh, Sharon, go fish me out that verse about when he asked him uh, what his name is or when I am come down. Um, Moses was born down on the land of Egypt um, and he was raised up. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and he fled out of the land of Egypt because he had committed a crime fled into the wilderness of Sinai and met um, Jethro, Ruel, who was a priest of Midian, ended up marrying his daughter and took care of his father-in-law's sheep. Mm -hmm. And one day he was having this vision on the backside of this mountain. And it was a phenomenal thing to him because if you know anything about a desert, uh, right now, I am in a relatively high desert location and the fire danger today I'm sure is quite high. Seems how it's like 86 degrees out, feels like 90 something with a high dew point of uh, 65. But even with a high dew point such as that, if even so much as a truck carrying a trailer and the chain would be dragging on the asphalt could be enough to send a spark 
and cause thousands and thousands of acres to um, catch on fire. It's that dry. Mm -hmm. You know, it just doesn't take much, not even to mention you have a huge thunderstorm or electrical storm spanning right now um, from um, Kansas all the way up to uh, New York. Um, and, you know, many fires are started just from the uh, result of lightning striking the earth. So, you know, Moses is out here in a desert and this bush is burning and it's not consuming anything else. And it's just burning like an Olympic torch and it's not spreading anywhere. It's just there. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden uh, he hears a voice and he's called by name. And all these, what we would call insequential writings in the Bible that might be insignificant, um, have a lot of um, background and depth that if you are a seeker of truth, you truly can, if you have enough impatience, if you have enough patience to endure, that you can these things can be revealed to you and it's absolutely beyond spectacular. So Moses is called by name and he is told of Yahweh that he wanted him to go back down into the land of Egypt and deliver the children of Israel up out of bondage that they're into to that King Pharaoh the king god of the earth at that time, they were in bondage to him as his slaves, building all his treasure cities and whatnot. And Moses being um, having the best education that could be presented at the time in the land of Egypt, growing up in Pharaoh's daughter's household, uh, was familiar with their customs, and they had many, many gods down there. And he asked, he says, okay, God, if you want me to go down into the land of Egypt and I'm nothing but a stinky old shepherd at this point and present myself before um, Pharaoh, which would be the president of Egypt or the highest rank that you could possibly get and tell them that you want me or that you want me to tell him that you said to let the children of Israel go well, who am I going to say sent me, God? And we read these things right in the book, and it doesn't even, um, it doesn't even snap in our heads. It doesn't click. Well, if God was His name, why would Moses repeatedly ask God for a name? All right. Read that, please. Well, it would be in uh, Exodus three. 13, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? What, well, what's his name? Right. You can flip right over to Exodus uh, 6 and 3 and read that if you would. Uh -huh. I can get it right here. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of, well, Jehovah. it says God, God Almighty, but Yahweh, but no, my name, 
Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. It was I'm sorry, but my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them? Well, that's an absolutely true statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was not known unto them <laughs> by the name of Jehovah. Because you can find out in a Encyclopedia Britannica that the name Jehovah is a bastardization. Um, that's how they put it. Uh, of the true name of Yahweh. And, you know... Um, we were flipping through the channel last night and you've got countless channels. There was one on Vivo and there, I can't even remember the names of all these other sites on, where were we on prime or something? Yeah. We were on prime. And, um, you know, you have these channels that, uh, I guess they call themselves Christians yeah. devoted to, um, singing and praising the name of Yahweh. There was just countless songs that they were singing about praising that name and how important that name is. And we praise that name and that name has elevated us and lifted us up. And um, that's a very good place to start. But anyway, I'm really getting off the track here <laughs> as usual. So by his name, Jehovah, he certainly was not known unto them. But, you know, we're, we're not the only ones saying that the name is Yahweh. There's many other organizations that are. But we're not just an organization trying to uplift the name of Yahweh. We're trying to tell you that this is a school. And this is not a church. And you are not asked to come down here, pay tithes, get baptized, perform ceremonies, uh participate in customs and traditions and suppers and sacrifice, uh, you know, your money as if God needs any of that, or if Yahweh needs any of that, seems how he gave life and breath and all things to every human that has ever been and ever will be. He is the ultimate source and substance and limits of everything in this creation as we have demonstrated on this chart by that red fiery cloud that goes completely around this chart and around the creation by the pattern illustrating to you that nothing can get outside of Yahweh and you can't get outside of Yahweh to look back at him and go there he is now it's just absolutely essential that you have these names. And I've only told you about the one name, Yahweh. But let's go and uh, read uh, John 5 and 39. And I want Acts 4 and 12, please. John 5, 39. Now, just as much as that Bebo station was uplifting and praising the name of Yahweh, that's all fine and dandy. I actually enjoyed a couple of the songs that they were singing. But what about the Messiah? <laughs> you know, you might say we found out now that Lord is a title. God is a title. But what about this erroneous name of Jesus? You want I come in my father's name? Yes, please. That's 43. Okay. John 5, 43. I am come in my father's name. And you receive me not. Now, if you had but, a, letter, a red letter edition of the Bible, you would note that this would be the Messiah speaking. 
he himself is saying, look, I have come in my father's name. And, and what? And you receive me now. And you're not receiving me. Mm -hmm. Well, there are missionaries and people that are sent out all over the world and whatever, trying to uh, promote Jesus into, uh, you know, the far reaches of the world and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the, for the most part, uh, there's a large majority of the world that has received the name of Jesus and accept him, accept that name as their personal savior. But the Messiah said, I've come in my father's name and you receive me not. Let another come in his own name, like Jesus, him you will receive. Right. Now let's just look at the name of Yahshua for a minute. We can, um, we the theme song of this school is really Romans 1, 19 and 20, and it always will be. Because that which may be known of Yahweh, or the Father, which is spirit, and you can't detect spirit with your natural senses. You can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, hear it. Um, you need help. He's so much higher than you are. His thoughts are not yours. His thoughts are so much more elevated than your, your thinking capacity ever will be. You need help to come to find out about Yahweh. Now, the Messiah said, I came in my father's name. Well, you know what? The invisible things of Yahweh, right from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. How do we clearly see something invisible? Being understood by the things that are made. Well, everybody that is born comes in their father's name. As a matter of fact, if you fill out an application, your last name is what they want first. Because that is your first name. And even if um, the woman that gave birth to you was not married, you come in the name of her father. You just can't get away from it because it's a pattern and it's a circuit or a cycle and it will not be broken. It's unerring and it's perfect. Now, the Messiah said he came in his father's name. Yah is the masculine portion of the name. Way is feminine because Yahweh is complete and total within himself. He did not need a goddess to uh, get together with him to produce offspring. He is life and life. Let's uh, hold that and go get me a John. Uh, it was that in John 1 and 4 or something. <clears throat> in him was life. Yes, please. I think it is. Maybe I'm. Yes. Thank John you. 1 yeah. and 4. Wow. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Now, this is the Messiah once again. Or another uh, manifestation of Yahweh coming out of his pure spirit, one of his two incorporeal or concrete manifestations that he has. In him is life. And that was the light of men. When you look at this name, Yahshua, Shua in Hebrew means salvation, aid, deliverance, comforter, assistance. So his name actually means something. That Yahweh is salvation. That Yahweh is will be your, your assistance. That Yahweh will be your deliverer. That Yahweh will be your comforter. That Yahweh will be your aid. And it just goes on and on. So the entire purpose 
that Yahweh has laid down. Read me um, Acts 4 and 12, please. Um, be it known. I'll start at 10. Oh, you want 10 or 12? That's okay. Read 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yahshua, the Messiah of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom Yahweh raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now, you really have to go back into We're not going to do it, but you can write this down. This is a school and there could be outside reading uh, from the classroom. If you would, you can go into Acts, the third chapter and find out that there was a guy that they say is impotent. He couldn't walk. Um, and he laid by a temple every day. I believe the gates, they called it the temple beautiful. And since he didn't have a job or profession or couldn't even get up and walk, he would beg for money. And I believe it was Peter and John that passed by him one day and they see this guy begging. And um, they said, well, silver and gold have we none, but what we have, we're going to give you. And they said, in the name of Yahshua, rise up and walk. And the guy, like, got up and started walking, lame from birth. And everybody knew this guy. It was like a permanent fixture there at the gate. And not only that, a lot of people were going into the temple. This was not done in a back alley <laughs> at nighttime, in the dark. I mean, it was done in front of everybody. And the gossip was spreading like wildfire. Did you see what Peter and John did? My gosh, they walked by this, the guy that's been lame all his life and said in the name of Yahshua, get up and walk. And he did. And they just couldn't even believe. It. So people are rushing down to try to find these guys, find out what was going on here. So uh, keep reading where you were, Linda. Okay. This is the stone, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under yeah. heaven. Pause. Neither is salvation in any other. In any other what? In any other name. Mm -hmm. Names are important. He was born Yahshua. He lived Yahshua. He took off the flesh of Yahshua. And he is all that, and that also is the name of the Holy Spirit. Go ask your priest, rabbi, guru. Uh, any anyone that you, uh, your father, your deacon, your bishop, you ask them to tell you what the name of the Holy Spirit is. They can't tell you something that they don't know. And the name of the Holy Spirit is Yahshua, in or out of a physical body. It always has been. This whole purpose that you're experiencing, as you call life on Mother Earth, is hinging on the fact that Yahweh is demonstrating his power through his ability to transmutate or to change into a different form, come right straight out of a, an existence that we cannot penetrate into, has the power to come down and dwell in a physical body and to set up this whole scenario of a purpose that he did to prove to you that he is salvation. Now, he gave a law. Oh, go ahead and read. I'm really getting ahead of myself. Go ahead. All right, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I might add, there's no other name given under heaven or down in hell 
or purgatory or any other place that you want to call it that can give you escape, that can give you freedom, that can give you salvation, that can give you deliverance. And I might add that can give you peace, that can give you stability in a world that is not so much stable these days. And the psychological profile in the people roaming the face of the earth right now depict what a human being absent of the Holy Spirit is capable of doing. If you really want an eye opener, just subscribe on YouTube to KTLA. It's the Los Angeles News. And every single day, people just must be numb to it. There was a guy driving in Gardenia the other day, not far from where I used to live when I lived in L.A. And it was early in the morning, just driving on his way to work. And somebody just mowed him down with a machine gun, riddled his car with bullets, and the guy's dead. Well, there was somebody else a couple of days prior to that that went down and parked on a beach. Same scenario. A couple was sitting in their car in a parking lot down by the beach, by the beach, and the car was riddled with a uh, gunfire, and they got dead. <laughs> it, it, you know, um, there was a judge in Orange County, a, ju a judicial judge that um, is under arrest right now because they found his wife murdered in their Anaheim Hills home. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's so commonplace that you probably just walk past the TV and get numb to it. But see, people are, people are cracking up because they have no stability. Why? Because they do not have a working knowledge or understanding about what they are even doing here on earth. They think it's their personal playground for their personal entertainment and while we were surfing on prime we saw another commercial jesus.com and they're calling it just us and their proclamation was that jesus let his hair down so why couldn't you and they show people at amusement parks and they show them at um you know, parades and they show at birthday parties with balloons and everybody's having a good time. And it's just us.com. And the mystery of iniquity is grappling right now and doing everything at his disposal to try to hook you into not coming into an understanding and knowledge of your creator, which is freedom, a working knowledge and understanding, a revealed knowledge and understanding about your creator as he really is and actually exists. Mystery of Iniquity is grappling, trying to hook you just as much as he hooked you with that letter J. And you swallowed it, and so did I. Hook, line, and sinker. You can read about it over in Revelations how the devil, Satan, Lucifer, that he has deceived the entire world. And even the founder of our school said that he too was deceived. 
prior to him receiving. Thank you. I see the sign. Five minutes. Um, that he too didn't know the first thing about what, and he was a minister in the Church of God for over 15 years. And he knew the Bible, could read it backwards and forward, but he did not understand what it was saying. Now, I just want to end up with, um, and these are ongoing lectures. Somebody go and get me um, Matthew 5 and um, 17, if you would. These are ongoing lectures, and there's years and years and years of lectures that are recorded in a library. Um, we can't possibly begin to tell you everything about eternity in a half an hour or more or less in two hours. And if you truly have a sincere desire to know Yahweh, your creator, as he really is and actually exists, you've arrived. And he knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. And um, if you are the one of the ones that have been chosen of him to reveal his purpose to, you will indeed receive that revelation. And happy and glad will you be, if indeed you do. But you need to be patient. Yahweh's been very long-suffering with us. We need to be patient with ourselves, understanding that we, on our own accord, cannot come up to this it's not that you have to be really smart because it's simple. There's a pattern in operation. It's one, two, three, three in one. And it's that simple. It's so simple you trip over it. But be patient and ask the Father for the understanding. He hears you and he'll answer if you ask according to the purpose. Now read me in Matthew if you would. 517, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, this is, once again, the Messiah speaking here, and he said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. And they go, oh, what's the law? What's a prophet? That's the Old Testament part of your Bible. You know, and most Christianity, they want to rip the book in half and just hand you a New Testament. Well, Messiah said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill. That was, that's what his mission was. We were lied to once again. We didn't even get to finish reading in John. I mean, in Acts, the fourth chapter, where uh, Peter and John, they were straightly threatened by the scribes. And they said, we don't want you teaching in this name anymore. You know, they wanted to put him in jail. They were going to threaten to beat him up. They said, look, you can do whatever you want to do with us. But we're, we're not going to stop because this is the name unto life. And that's what we're trying to tell you. That you, you you will end up in a cemetery someday, or this body will go back to the dust. But what we're trying to offer you is life or eternal existence in a comfortable place. You can't kill spirit. Everyone will go somewhere after they leave this tabernacle or your body that you have been walking around in. And one of the first things you need to know is that the Messiah came to fulfill an old covenant, which indicates to you that there is a new one based on better promises. And how he did that and how that's um, achieved and what does it mean to you now in the age that you live in, the present kingdom age, I encourage you to be in regular attendance of these ongoing classes so that you too 
can be truly happy and glad that you can say that I do now understand in part Yahweh is he really is and actually exists and what is my part in this great purpose that he has put together for salvation for mankind and with those words thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to express a few things that I've come to understand and hold dear um, to my heart since being in attendance in this school. I hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Zahar. And our third speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Diane Emler from our Oceanside, California class. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Uh, it's good to be with everyone. And uh, I have very much uh, enjoyed class so far. Uh, the remarks of uh, both the first and uh, the second speakers. Uh, first of all, the remarks came from the heart. Uh, and second, they were uh, trying to help you see uh, the importance of certain things so that you may receive eternal life. We're here to help you find and know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. Uh, go to John 17.3. I, too, have been trying to listen to uh, lectures from Orlando. Uh, they've been having difficulty with their uh, audio, although uh, the last couple classes have been much better than when it first started out. Mm -hmm. um, I... Uh, spoke to Carl. He said hello to everyone. Uh, and we'll get the first eye or the report from him uh, when he gets back in another week and a half or whatever it is. Uh, but Many of the lectures have been excellent. Um, and at least for most of the lectures, uh, you could feel uh, even through the uh, Zoom, the um, or the YouTube, that uh, the uh, the vibe in the room was welcoming. Uh, the audience certainly seemed to be receptive to the speakers. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'll try again next year. So we'll see. All right, let's read John 17 and three. 
And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Yahweh, our Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So this is, this is, this is not how to get, this is eternal life, that they might know, uh, meaning us, that we might know Yahweh and Yahshua, whom he has sent. This is life eternal to know him, a knowledge and understanding of the most intimate uh, manner uh, it is eternal life. And that's something that you really got to go home and think about uh, because it's not the way we were brought up or raised to think because we thought that we had to do. What do I have to do to get eternal life? Um, and the fact that doing something uh, was not mentioned, uh, kind of takes you by surprise. But you need to know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. And the doing uh, is what we were taught in church. Uh, we Could I have the carnal ordinance chart? Thank you, Greg. Um, we were taught to do many things in church. And if you look at the left side of this chart, uh, where it says carnal mind or carnal ordinances, and describes them here as natural, physical, earthly, and uh, importantly, temporary, uh, that these laws or things uh, were part of a covenant that were given to the Hebrew nation uh, 1,500 years before Yahshua came on the scene. And these, uh, this covenant was given to the nation of Israel and to Israel only. This law was not given uh, to the Germans or uh, uh, the Greeks, uh, not even the Italians got a hold of this one. This a uh, covenant was given to the Jews only. And in it, there was, it's already been stated, there were 613 laws to uh, try to adhere to. Well, even before I got older, 
and lost my memory. I never could have memorized 613 laws, let alone uh, uh, try to follow them. I mean, I had a hard time trying to memorize poetry in school, let alone 613 laws. But according to the Bible, you had to keep the entire law. And if you broke one law, you broke them all. And the penalty for many of these laws, uh, the breaking of them was death. Even uh, Paul said in Galatians, you that want to be under the law, have you uh, heard the law? Have you read about the law? It's like who in their right mind want to be under all of these laws, see? But these laws uh, encompassed uh, circumcisions, mm -hmm. uh, ceremonies, uh, and therefore uh, a, a priestly order, uh, physical water baptisms, uh, physical suppers uh, that was instituted back uh, with the Israelites, and it was known as Passover. Physical sacrifices. If you sinned, you had to offer up a sacrifice or die. Something innocent had to die instead of you. Those sacrifices. And ordinances. We're already talking about the 613, and that includes the Ten Commandments. So when I went to church and I was raised a Presbyterian, then um, I was told I had to follow the Ten Commandments to get to heaven. That when I went to church, I had a little envelope that I put my pledge, whether it was a nickel or a dime or a quarter, that I had to put in my envelope uh, to put in the plate when the plate was passed. Right. I was taught that I had to be physically water baptized to get to heaven. Well, I didn't really have too much of a say in it because I was baptized sometime within the first week of my life. I had to go to church for communion. And I don't know if it was the uh, first Sunday of the month, or if we did it once a month or twice a month, I could not remember. But I had to sit there and get my piece of Wonder Bread and my little cup of uh, uh, grape juice and say, and uh, the minister would say, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and remembrance of me. And we had to go through all of that. And there were ceremonies. There 
we didn't get dressed up like the Catholics did, but the minister had robes that he wore and he had to come down the center of the aisle and he's the one that always gave the sermon, see? And circumcision uh, was an act that was done on both of my brothers in the hospital. And at in the 50s, it was just something they said that you should do for cleanliness sake. So all of these laws and ordinances here uh, uh, that were contained in that first covenant, when I went to church, they told me to get to heaven, I had to do those things. Right. Well, when we read in John 17, 3, they didn't say anything about doing those things. Life eternal, see? And the truth is that Yahshua came in uh, to fulfill that old covenant or to take it out of the way so he could usher in a new and spiritual covenant. And when you ushered in that new and spiritual covenant, here, let's just do this. Go to uh, uh, Matthew, the third chapter, and pick it up around 11. And then we'll go to Acts, the second chapter. And uh, then I want Psalms. I think it's 104 and 4. I want the minister's. Um, Matthew three eleven first. Yeah. Yes. I. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Now, he, hang on, just a second. Okay. What we've got in the book here uh, is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist uh, uh, was paving the way for the Messiah. Uh, and um, we won't go into all of that. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. Uh, so John the Baptist had been baptizing Israel, and it was a baptism unto repentance, right. meaning that the people came to John and John asked if they had sinned. And when they said yes, because all were found under sin, he dunked them in the water uh, as a symbol of a cleansing. And when they came back up out of the water, uh, then uh, they were supposed to be clean. So what John did 
baptizing, and it's really a form of burial because John, uh, um, the the Israelites, when they said they had they were sinners, then that was as much as saying or admitting that you were dead. And what do you do with a dead person but bury him? And so John put, took that sinful person and put them in the water or buried them in the water. But he did this as a prelude for something. And that's what we're going to read right now. Pick it. Why don't you pick it up at 10, Sharon, just so. Sure. Um, and now also. Wherever you think. Uh, nine. And think not to say within yourself we have abraham to our father for i say unto you that elohim is able of these stones to raise up children unto abraham and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is fruit down and cast into the fire That's eleven Go. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. So he here John is saying there's coming one after me mm -hmm. that uh, is greater than me. He says, I, I'm not even, can't even bear to wear his shoes. See? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. With shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All right. Now, in when I first walked into this school, I thought that baptism meant water. Right. Uh -huh. I thought if you were baptized in anything, it meant water. But here John is saying, the one who comes after me that's preferred before me, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, that is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Everybody uh, uh, run and get me 1 Corinthians uh, 10. Mm -hmm. I want to leave a couple minutes and share something here. But you have it, Sharon, by any chance? Uh no, but I can get it. If Sorry, I'm uh, digging for it here. Hold on. For some reason, it's not coming over to my fingertips fast. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Sorry. It. Yeah, First Corinthians 10. Sorry. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, 
without going into a lot of explanation, uh, Paul is, or whoever wrote Corinthians, is talking here, not Paul, but whoever uh, is talking is talking about the forefathers, those Israelites that came up out of Egypt and uh, through the divided waters of the Red Sea and received this old covenant at Mount Sinai. Now, this is many, uh, you know, almost 2,000 years later, not quite, 15. Uh, and he's talking about uh, remember the day when all our fathers go ahead and read it because i'm not uh, moreover brethren i would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto moses in the cloud and in the sea what we're all baptized unto moses in the cloud and in the sea but didn't christ institute Physical water baptism? Yeah. Yes, didn't he? Were you <laughs> taught that? That you had to get baptized because Jesus got baptized? Because he started water baptism and that's why we had to get baptized? Because Jesus wanted us to do that? Mm -hmm. I, do, I was taught that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But here, we're reading about the entire nation of Israel getting baptized in the Red Sea. And if you go back there and investigate, you'll find out that when they went through the sea, they went through on dry ground. In other words, they passed through that sea and never got wet. They were baptized in the cloud, which represents Yahweh, and in the sea. So that's just, there are a lot and a lot and a lot of examples of baptism that went on before uh, uh, the Messiah came in that paschal body. So here we're reading that he could not come in and institute physical water baptisms because how could you start something that's already been started? And besides the fact is that before uh, uh, Yahshua came and was baptized, and we didn't finish that, but it was baptized by John, uh, Yahshua uh, was not the first person in line. There were people that got baptized before him. So how can you start something that's already been started? And he himself said, uh, we should just read it. Go back to Matthew 3. Mm -hmm. Matthew 3.13. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 313. Um, then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. 
But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Now he would have to have said that because Yahshua was without son, sin. So the regular question of have you sinned, it, his answer would have been no. So John would say, then I need to be baptized of you. Why are you coming to me? Read. 15, and Yahshua answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Or he baptized him. Right. So uh, I want you to see that Yahshua said that he came in to fulfill. And the word fulfill means to bring to an end or to finish to stop it. It'd been going on. My gosh, the priests got baptized under the law. The whole earth was baptized during uh, uh, Noah's flood. The examples are everywhere. He couldn't have come in to start it. He came in to finish it. But what we need is that new covenant baptism. And that's what John was talking about, baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So let's go to the second chapter of Acts. Uh Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all I'm sorry, but that wind is depicted through scripture as uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth. If you go in and research that out, you're talking about the spirit of Yahweh. Go Mm -hmm. ahead. Uh, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Mm-hmm. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Wait a minute. So what came and sat on them? Fire. Mm-hmm. Read. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism that John predicted. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Boom. See, that's it. They're baptized in the new covenant. Now for us, we are baptized. And uh, I don't want to take the time, but if you go to Psalms 104 and 4, you'll read that Yahweh makes his angels spirits and his ministers is flaming fire. So when you hear this true gospel, this is the baptism by fire. And the Holy Spirit, you can realize, is within you. Being in here, uh, listening to the gospel preached, 
by his ministers with his gospel, do you understand, is being baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And that's what we're trying to do down here is to get people to see that this covenant has changed and it's no longer a physical covenant, but it is a spiritual covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the Roman Catholic Church and how they had taken out of uh, their Bibles and in their teaching uh, the second commandment, which is in the 20th chapter of Exodus, the one, I think it's the second one, that says, thou shall have no other images, or thou should not worship images. Does everybody kind of remember that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, the Roman Catholic Church has these councils, and we're really in our lifetime, we've only witnessed these ecumenical councils. But these councils, they even uh, uh, count when Paul went up into uh, uh, Jerusalem and they talked about getting circumcised, how uh, that was really the first council. Uh, but this is the council uh, of the Roman Catholic Church. And um, the first one I'd like to speak on quickly is the council, and I believe it's pronounced Hyeria. Uh I'm terrible at this. Uh, it's H I E. R-I-A. Uh, this council was convened in 754. And during that time, there was a lot of political things going on. And one uh, 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 head of a country uh, died and then uh, the other one, which happened to be Constantine V, uh, came into power, and he uh, called this council, uh, and in this council, they spoke about idols, and they wanted to ban uh, paintings. Uh, thank you ban paintings from churches in case they were to um, uh, uh, worship them or uh, deify them yeah. in any ways. Uh, so they wanted to get in away from any chance of having a, a, a graven image or a false idol. So it made sense to me, but when things changed and really only a few years later, they called the second council of Nicaea 
And uh, the second council of Nicaea met in 787. And in 787, these people came together and disavowed the council uh, uh, that went previous that banned the paintings and those uh, like idols. And uh, can you just take her out and see? Sorry, my dog was getting sick. <laughs> uh, and so they decided that you have to have idols. The Second Council of Nicaea decided that icons are needed to uh, properly worship the saints uh, and that the saints in the paintings, and let me say, especially Mary, had to be venerated. So you're talking about a council came together and said, no, we're disallowing, get rid of the idols. And we're saying you need to have the idols to properly be a Catholic. And you're supposed to venerate uh, the the uh, uh, saints and um, Mary and the the uh, depictions of holy things and venerate just means to admire to adore it also means to worship although the Catholics draw a difference between worship and veneration uh, it's a little strange because they don't want you to uh, venerate the host, which is the actual body and blood of the Messiah, that you're supposed to worship. You're supposed to worship the host. But if you ask a Catholic priest, if they worship Mary, they will say no. We do not worship Mary. We only venerate her. And the, <laughs> the synonym for uh, uh, venerate is worship. So you figure it out. But I was pretty shocked that they came together as a group and made it a law that you have to worship idols, which goes against everything that's in the Bible. Okay. And uh, then to chastise those and disannul the council where they came together and said, don't worship idols. Seems backwards, but that's what they have done. And this veneration of idols 
uh, is in effect to this day. And you've seen them bowing down and kissing crosses and kissing rings and kissing feet and all of the above. And this they know about, they know their idols, and they say that it is what you have to do to properly worship and be a good Catholic. So I wanted to give that to you and thank you for the time. I'll give it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class. And we'd also, also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.